Hello and welcome to the menu, Monaco's program on great food, drink and hospitality. I am Markus Hippi. This week, what do you serve to some of the greatest Hollywood stars? British chef Elliot Grover knows the answer as he's designed a menu for this year's Oscars. I was thinking, it wouldn't it be quite interesting if we could just serve fish and chips at the Oscars? Like, it's quite a crazy thing. I'm just going to rock up there, do fish and chips, and fingers crossed they love it like we do. Then Portuguese chef Kiko Marchins will explain how he created his restaurant empire in Lisbon. The best place to open a Japanese or a ceviche restaurant in the world might be Portugal. Uh, Why is that? Because Portugal is probably one of the best countries in the world that has the best fish. We'll also hear about a groundbreaking new restaurant launch in England's Cornwall. All that and more ahead in the next 30 minutes here on The Menu. There is just five weeks left until the Oscars ceremony takes place in Los Angeles. It's a huge operation and someone who will be focusing on what the world's greatest film stars get served for food after the main ceremony is British chef Elliot Grover. He will work together with Wolfgang Puck at the Academy Awards 2023 Governor's Ball. And for the event, he has created a British-inspired menu. To find out more, Elliot joined me in the studio... He began by explaining how he ended up working with Wolfgang at the world's greatest celebration of film. Took the job nine months ago at Cut London, which was the most unbelievable opportunity. And then I sort of did more and more research as the time went on. Had sort of daily calls with Wolfgang and he said, oh, you know, I'll be doing the Oscars. And then I found out he'd been doing it for 30 years, which is quite unbelievable. And then I thought, well, I'm going to ask if I can go. And it sort of took quite a lot of courage to asked the question and then when I did he said absolutely amazing what a great idea fly to fly to LA and we can get on with it so yeah so how did you get in touch with him did you obviously you'd been dealing with him before but did you did you write him an email or did you just call separately and just ask that question so Wolfgang absolutely doesn't have email he says no no you just call me and he will not answer a text message you just call him anytime anywhere wherever, wherever he is in the world you know, he'll always answer. So, yeah, just asked him. And he said yes. So what have you been doing for recent weeks? You obviously have been getting prepared for for, for the 12th of March already. You know what dishes you'll be serving with Wolfgang and so forth. What have you been doing so far in terms of getting prepared? Well, there's a lot of sort of strategical things you need to do in regards to like the logistics, um, the crockery we're going to serve the dishes in. Um, so basically he said he wanted to represent the UK the best we could. And obviously it needs to be sort of around 400 portions of each, which is quite a large amount of food for the, amount, for the time we're going to do it in. Um, so we've done a really amazing trio of fish and chips. So it's really classic, just a piece of deep fried haddock. Mm-hmm. Skin on, he insisted, so it's proper authentic. Um, beer batter, and then we've got three um, triple cooked chips in beef fat. Pea puree, tartar sauce, wedge of lemon, comes in a paper cone with a wooden fork to make it extra proper. Wow, what else is on the menu? Um, We've also got a chicken pot pie, which will be running in London as well. It is a traditional chicken pie, but it is super luxurious. We put a tiny bit of truffle oil in there, Um, peas, potatoes, chicken breast, and it's with a a traditional chicken velouté. And then what you do, you leave 
on the pie dish, you leave it an inch from the top and then you tightly put the puff pastry over the top, double egg wash, and it sort of souffles up. And then when you cut it open from the oven, all the steam and the beautiful truffle hits your face and it's fantastic. You said that Wolfgang mentioned that he wanted to showcase the best of British cuisine at the ceremony. I'm wondering, did you also think about this whole thing the other way around, just thinking about who your customers are going to be like and what they would like to eat? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, wouldn't it be quite interesting if we could just serve fish and chips at the Oscars? Like, It's quite a crazy thing. I'm just going to rock up there, do fish and chips, and fingers crossed they love it like we do. Um, so what's happening in the in the days to come? You still have, what, almost... Well, you've got a month and a half almost yeah. until you until it's the 12th of March when the ceremony takes place. Uh, when do you go to the US, first of all? So going to the US on the 26th of February. Mm-hmm. So I'll be there for a few weeks before, just to sort of prepare myself and get ready. Um, and then today, 1st of February, we're going to be launching the Oscars dishes in Cut London, which is going to be fantastic. Sounds amazing. Tell me about the scale of this operation. Then you mentioned that we're talking about a huge amount of food that is needed over there. So how do you, from the logistical point of view, how do you make all that happen in the US? Uh, That's the tricky part. Um, So I've been speaking to the executive chef that runs the Oscars there as well as Wolfgang. Every single dish has a picture, a spec. Um, All the recipes have already gone to Wolfgang with the allergies, everything. So it's all very well organized, I will say that. Are you nervous at all? I'm more excited, to be honest. I was more nervous about coming here today. What has what, <laughs> what has what has Wolfgang told you about about previous years? How this operation works? He said, it, you know, every year must be better and better. And he's got such. I mean, the guy is 73 now, and he's just full of so much energy. And every everything he does, he just always wants it to be better. And he said to me, just don't mess it up. and obviously we're talking about some of the best food from the uk now i'm wondering what's for dessert by the way you mentioned a few things from the menu already what's the dessert we're doing an amazing traditional sherry trifle so it's your classic trifle something that they won't expect but they'll love and it's super simple tell me more about what's happening in the kitchen then in in march how do you divide responsibilities between you and wolfgang He will always be fully involved. He'll be changing things last minute. He's already said to me, I want you to be in the ballroom and perhaps we'll do something like a beef wellington and carve it in the room with the guests and serve them. So that's I'm a little bit nervous about that because I like things (laughs) to be planned. But Wolfgang has this tendency to just change things last minute like a firework. But that's what makes it so fantastic to work for him. Obviously, we're talking about an event of such importance that nothing can go wrong. What kind of a checklist do you have to actually make sure that everything works perfectly? The checklist is huge. And I'll be honest with you, I'll be going in there probably a week before and I'll be up at night checking the list again and again and again. I mean, things can go wrong. It's just about how you action those points if they do go wrong, but they won't go wrong. What kind of things do you have on that list? Uh, things like if the fish and chip batter's not crispy, if the fish isn't fresh, if you have to send it back. So you need to check every single thing, you know. And indeed, as as you mentioned, people can taste these dishes already yep. in London. Absolutely. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so in the bar we're serving the, fish, the trio of fish and chip cones. We're doing the chicken pot pie in the restaurant and the bar. And we're also doing the cherry, the sherry trifle, sorry. And we'll also be doing a Golden Knights Oscars cocktail which is amazing. Can you tell us more about that? Cocktail is a champagne-based with tequila, and then it's 
beautifully decorated with a bit of gold leaf around the side. It's very simple, but super, super delicious. Elliot Grove there, and he'll be in Hollywood next month preparing his menu at the Academy Awards 2023 Governor's Ball. And you can taste his dishes also in London. They will be served at Bar 45 at 45 Park Lane. Next up on the menu, we head to Lisbon to meet Portuguese chef Kiko Marchins. In 2008, Marchins undertook a culinary journey and travelled the world from Chile to China to explore what residents were eating at home in an attempt to find authentic dishes he could bring back to Portugal and interpret locally on the plate. Today, Marchins oversees five eateries in the Portuguese capital, offering his take on dishes from around the world. Monaco correspondent Ivan Cavallo caught up with Marchins at his newest Lisbon restaurant, Las Dos Manos, a homage to Mexican and Japanese cooking to learn more. Born in Rio de Janeiro, Portuguese chef Kiko Martins has been a culinary globetrotter since he first started working in France in 2003. After studying at the Cordon Bleu in Paris and stints at Michelin restaurants like the Fat Duck in London, Martin sought a change of scenery to challenge his palate. Nowadays, uh, all my restaurants reflects, uh, are the reflection of the journey that I did in 2008 with my wife. Uh, the main idea about this journey that took us 14 months to complete it was to pass in 26 different countries and live with 26 different families, at least for 15 days and be with them at the table. The idea was not to go to a country and only visit markets and the restaurants, were actually to live with his family for 15 days. The purpose was never to open restaurants uh, after the journey. But the truth is that, as my passion is cooking and I'm a chef, uh, when I returned to Portugal in 2010, since nowadays, it has already passed 12 years, so all the restaurants that I have been open has some influences from the world. So I have a ceviche that, of course, influenced from Peru and Japan. I have this Mexican one, the new one, influenced, of course, from Mexico. I have another one dedicated to Brazil, my hometown that I was born in Rio. Another one that is a butcher shop with many influences from the world. So I think this journey was probably the main point of what I have been doing as a chef uh, since now. Following this eye-opening 14-month eat-the-world experience, Martins came back to Lisbon. In 2013, he opened his first eatery, Otalio, which combined a butcher shop concept with a restaurant. A year later, he turned to seafood with a cevicheria, where he looked to quality local ingredients. I think a lot of people might not know this, but uh, uh, the, blessed, the best place to open a Japanese or a ceviche restaurant in the world might be Portugal. Uh, why is that? Because Portugal is probably one of the best countries in the world that has the best fish. So we are talking about a coast with uh, 700 kilometers, uh, the Atlantic, very deep ocean, very cold ocean, uh, with amazing fish, amazing seafood. Opening in Cevicheria was like blending the two things that I thought that it was more like amazing, like the, the Portuguese seafood and fish, and with this technique of like... Uh, just cooking the fish in this tiger milk that is amazing sauce that the, the Peruvians invented. Uh, so I thought these two combinations, or using curvina or uh, using bacalhau with tiger milk, will be something that uh, melts. 
and the truth is that uh, they melt well and uh, it's a success. After mastering ceviche, Martins decided to mine his childhood in Brazil for inspiration for his next culinary adventure at his restaurant, Opoteco. So the main idea about this Brazilian restaurant was like, oh, working with the Portuguese ingredients like uh, carabineiro or even bacalhau or cod in English and to give them a Brazilian dressing. One of the most uh, typical dishes in Brazil, it's called bobo. Uh, it's a dish from north of Brazil, of Bahia, that is made with peppers, with coconut milk. And here in Boteco, you will go to eat it with cod and carabineiro, like a, like a big shrimp, red, super flavorful, but with this kind of Brazilian dressing with the peppers and the coconut milk, it's super flavorful. Never tiring of drawing ideas from his extensive travels, Martins last autumn inaugurated his newest establishment, Las Dos Manos, where Mexico meets Japan on the plate. I always had this goal of opening a, a Mexican restaurant. I've been six times in Mexico, uh, from Tijuana to Ensenada to Puerto Escondido to Juarez to Defe to Veracruz to many, many different cities in Mexico. But I never thought that my first Mexican restaurant will have this Japanese touch. So Las Dos Manos, it's the mano of Mexico and the mano of Japan. Uh, in English, the hand of Japan and the hand of Mexico. And uh, a lot of people might ask, so this is a fusion. So I'm going to eat the temaki uh, with some jalapenos and I'm going to eat like a taco with the tempura. No, uh, this is not a fusion. This is a Mexican restaurant with a Japanese touch. I'm going to do aqua chile like it's done in Mexico. I'm going to do a taco with a homemade tortillas like it's doing in Mexico. But I'm I'm also going to add some Japanese touches of elegance, like some Japanese techniques of like tataki or braised or cured, or a little bit of ingredients like yuzo or katsubushi. I'm going to use the Japan to give a little touch to the Mexican menu. Always keen to respect local culinary traditions he's tried firsthand and use the best Portuguese produce from the land and sea, Martins today has a decade of success under his belt and five restaurants. All the while, he's been careful to avoid the trap of making fusion cuisines while helping Lisbon raise its status as a cosmopolitan food capital. For Monocle, in Lisbon, I'm Avin Carvalho. Thanks to Ivan for his report. Let's next hear from Monaco's Lillian Fawcett. She's here with the week's hospitality headlines. One of Helsinki's Michelin-starred restaurants will close in May, its chef Sasu Laukonen has announced. Ora opened in 2017 and focuses on dishes made with local and seasonal ingredients. Laukonen, one of Finland's most celebrated cooks, cited personal and family reasons. The announcement comes soon after another Nordic star chef, Reni Redzepe, announced the closure of his Copenhagen restaurant Noma. The remains of a 5,000-year-old tavern, complete with an oven, benches and even a fridge, has been uncovered in Iraq. Archaeologists from the Penn Museum working in the ancient southern city of Lagash unearthed the site, which also included food remains. The tavern is believed to have been part of an urban neighbourhood in 2700 BCE. A cappuccino from the British coffee chain Costa has been found to contain five times as much caffeine as the same drink at Starbucks. 
Research by consumer group Witch revealed a Costa cappuccino offers a 325 milligram caffeine hit, equivalent to four cans of Red Bull, and compared to just 66 milligrams at Starbucks. The same coffee from UK chains Greggs and Pret-a-Manger were also found to provide significant energy boosts. And a school administrator near Chicago has been accused of stealing $1.5 million or nearly 1.4 million euros worth of food, mostly chicken wings, according to local reports. Vera Liddell has been charged with theft and financial crimes, having allegedly ordered 11,000 cases of wings during the pandemic, which prosecutors say never made it to school children. She's due to appear in court later this month. Those are the week's food and drink headlines. Now back to Marcus. Thanks, Lillian. You are with The Menu on Monocle 24. And finally, the programme. If you happen to venture to England's Cornwall, there is one restaurant that's definitely worth visiting. Crocodon is the debut restaurant from Dan Cox, who has taken over a 120-acre farm in St. Melian in southeast Cornwall, bringing to life his seasonal and self-sufficient food philosophy. Crocodon just opened, and I spoke to Dan a couple of days before the launch to discuss the huge project and how the British cuisine is only getting better and better. Yeah, I mean, the, the concept is, you know, getting onto a farm, sort of building the farm up and then opening a restaurant from within that. And and also, you know, looking at and questioning um, all, all aspects of farming and seeing where we can tweak things to make them better for the farm, for the soil, you know, for the environment, but also most importantly, try and grow and rear things that, that, that sort of have incredible uh, taste and flavour profiles. So obviously a lot to uncover there, but could you start by telling us about the farm you took over already back in 2017? What do you have there? Yeah, so I mean, yeah, coming onto the farm back then, um, you know, sort of coming coming along on my own. You know, it, it wasn't like I was just, you know, opening a new restaurant or, you know, going on to a new new job. Um, it was kind of like ground zero and just kind of took a minute to, to sort of get used to what where i was and what i was doing you know there was literally no services when i arrived um you know no running hot water heating or, or even anywhere to live so you know it was kind of like start from scratch and just slowly slowly build up and and then start working on different aspects of the farm start looking at the buildings and just yeah slowly plugging away and getting getting everything moving in and, and sort of ready in the right way can you tell us more about what you've been up to for the past five years getting prepared for this moment yeah, I mean, it's it's. I'd say it's bit, it's less about just pure preparation for the restaurant and, and more about actually working with the farm as a whole. Because I mean, I you know, I when I first came onto the farm, I did think that I was going to um, open a very small restaurant quite quickly. But but then the, the reason that I took the farm on was to farm and to sort of you know secure my supply, as it were. And and it did you know it dawned on me quite quickly that there was a lot of work to do in that respect and for me to fully understand all the aspects of the farm I kind of needed to get on and do them myself and you know try and bring other people in to to to, to sort of help me to progress each element so I mean first first thing I looked at was um was the veg side of things with I already I came with pre-existing experience um, having worked with some Rogan and sort of working alongside him to 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 build his farm up in the Lake District 
Tell us more about what you grow at the farm. Obviously, you have already supplied several restaurants with your vegetables, for example. Tell me all about these amazing things you can you can grow there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, literally, we are quite gifted in Cornwall because we we, we generally have quite early springs, um, and and the winters are quite mild too, and and also we receive our fair share of rain, so we we're not often sort of met with extreme drought conditions. You know, the, it does come when when we're in the height of summer, uh, but generally the soil does retain quite a lot of moisture. It's got good clay content too, um, which is which is it, it can be difficult to work with in the winter but it it does hold on to that water through throughout the spring and into the summer and and also with that clay content you you also get sort of a high mineral content within that on a clay loam like we have you can pretty much grow anything um you know you can grow things that love acid you can grow things that sort of love alkaline you know and and sort of it's quite a good happy medium um so it's just basically the only thing that really restricts us on what we can't grow is whether it's you know sort of subtropical or or really temperate stuff. Um, but even then, you know, we 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 last year we successfully grew um, lemongrass in quite good quantity. Then we've got ginger and turmeric propagating away as well. We've got Szechuan pepper uh, in the in the polytunnels. We sort of using the leaves on that. So it's kind of like it's less about what we can grow and it's what more about what we can't grow. And we, we just generally try as many different things as we can um, and, and things that really pique our interest, too. So it's, it's not just your standard standard veg, veg as it were. And well, one of the stars of the show is, is are the art, are artichokes. Um, so, it's, you know, flowering artichokes like a uh, like a violet artichoke. I mean, you know, sort of all throughout my career as a chef, we would love to work with artichokes, you know, when they came into season, you know, from Brittany or from... Uh, say sardinia and they're immaculate it was always something that i really really wanted to grow so i mean that was as soon as i arrived i got on and sowed the seeds and i didn't you know i didn't even have didn't have polytunnels or anything like that i was just kind of on my windowsill um and that was the first crop that i put into the ground um and, and being perennial you know they come back year after year um they're a huge plant like really majestic looking and, and you only harvest a small amount of the plant so you know you're just taking that flower or or you know three or perhaps even five that the plant might produce, but the rest of the plant remains. And then winter, it kind of, you kind of just mulch it down on itself and it feeds itself and it comes back the following year. So it's like with, with, with very little maintenance, you're sort of gifted with, with an incredible vegetable uh, year on year. And um, yeah, it's one of, they say, one of my favourite things. So Crocodon is, it's, it's obviously a hyper-seasonal restaurant and, and all about local ingredients as well. I'm speaking to you just a few days before you are due to open the restaurant. How much can you tell us about the first menu at this stage? What do you have there? What excites you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually it's quite funny because we're we're in a very difficult time of year for the farm too. So I mean, you know, come sort of May, April, sorry, April, May, sort of just starting off, and then to June, July, like really peaking, and then. And then it's a sort of a gradual decline from September um, and then into sort of January, February, March, April, even to the end of April. It's it's pretty barren, you know, nothing new is growing. So we're working with what's still remaining in the ground. You know, we, we lose quite a lot of crops through the winter. You know, some some hold pretty well, um, but, but some will, will just rot away in the ground at that stage because it's so wet. So, yeah, um, so we're, we're in the middle of the hungry gap, basically. Um, so, so there isn't anything new coming through at the moment. We're, we're working with um, all the stuff that we've preserved through 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 the summer and into autumn, and, and stuff that's sort of still 
still hanging on the ground like winter radishes and turnips and you know a few kales and cabbages and leeks um so so it's quite an exciting time from the point of view that we, we have to kind of work quite hard to to, to, to pull a menu together um because uh, last week mike and i uh, my head chef you know we, we were putting the menu together and it, it at the start of the process was like you know god what, what are we gonna actually do but but then everything starts coming out um i mean we we started the menu with some lion's mane mushroom so not from the farm but from one of our uh, close friends mick he's got a company called dark valley fungi um and he grows the most amazing mushrooms all, all with his own spawn, um, all with his own substrate made from um, ash wood, um, sawdust and wood chip from, from, from another company that, that he works with. And yeah, gross lion's mane. In my mind, one of the best mushrooms, culinary mushrooms ever. Um, incredibly good for you, good for the brain, um, but very interesting in terms of flavor. And we're doing, a, we're doing one, one part of it raw and then the other part of it cooked. So like the raw version, it's got these really beautiful white fronds look, looking a little bit like white crab meat and then also taking the the mushroom and smoking it then comping it then grilling it that's quite exciting and also um we've got a dish on with with chicken as well uh, our laying hens before the uh, lockdown we actually got some of them processed um and and we're using them we're taking some of our leeks um that are still in the ground at the moment so they're sort of maximum sweetness sort of picking up sort of more sugar through the winter um, and then we're going to be grilling those over charcoal and serving them with a with a chicken offal exo sauce um, that we make with yes all, all, all the offal from the chicken um, and our own chilies and you know, plenty of garlic in there as well and then as a as a side another part of that dish we're doing a a sort of chicken sort of you know royale or sort of custard type situation and um, sort of you know just just set basically um so like a chicken mousse but but also more more yeah more towards like a set custard if you will um and then serving that with elderflower again sort of our preserved elderflowers and and, and a reduction of the of elderflower vinegar dan cox there he has just opened his restaurant crocodon in saint million in england's cornwall and that's all for this edition of The Menu. Remember that we are back with a new episode again on Friday at 2000 London time. That's at midday if you are listening in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, do check out our menu spin-off show Food Neighbourhoods for great recipes. And obviously you'll find many more reports on great hospitality from the brand new edition of Monocle magazine. I am Marcus Hippi. Our studio engineer was Kelly McLean. Once again, we finish this programme with a dinner soundtrack recommendation. Here is MGMT with kids. Thanks for listening and until next week. <laughs>